Hi, I'm Rebecca Rison with Jeremy Roberts, and we'd like to welcome you to the Chip Chat. Today we have two great guests, Dr. Jennifer Foss and Dr. Travis Hitchcock. Let me tell you about our special guests. Dr. Jennifer Foss is the Assistant Director for Retention and an academic advisor serving students majoring in accounting in the Center for Student Success and First Year Experience. Dr. Foss earned her BA in English with a minor in Business Administration and her MA in Higher Education Student Personnel from the University of Mississippi. She also completed the Paralegal Studies Certificate Program in 2004. She completed her PhD in higher education in the spring of 2019. Jen is an active member in the National Academic Advising Association, Mississippi Advisors Meeting, National Association of Student Personnel Administrators, Center for Student Retention Data Exchange, and the coordinator for the Freshman Attendance-Based Initiative, which is a retention program targeting the attendance habits of students in 100 and 200 level courses. She also teaches a section of the Freshman Year Experience course for freshmen each fall and coordinates summer orientation advising for the campus. Dr. Travis Hitchcock is the Assistant Director of Advising and an Academic Advisor for Freshmen in the School of Engineering. He also teaches EDHE 105, Freshman Year Experience, and EDLD 201, Career Decision Making. Born and raised in Oxford, Travis attended the University of Mississippi and earned a BS in Human Development, an MA in Higher Education Student Personnel, and a PhD in higher education. Travis's area of expertise and research interests lie within the field of career development and its impact on student retention. He's also a member of the National Academic Advising Association and of the National Career Development Association. Welcome to the show. Good to see you both. How are you doing? Doing good. Good. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to get to talk to you. Yeah. So one of the first questions that we like to ask is getting to know you a little bit more of how did y'all get involved in higher education? What made you want to go, this is what I want to do? You want to go first, Jennifer? Sure. Um, I think I always in classes thought people had had that figured out from the get-go. Um, I fell into it. I'll be honest. I got a job first on campus as a secretary and started helping students that direction and had a, a professor in my English program tell me, you know, there's a degree in that. You can get a master's degree in higher education. Um, and I had no idea that that was a thing or a field or anything. And I started researching it and I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I want to do advising. So um, I fell into it by happenstance, just working in an academic department and helping students. Yeah. Yeah, with me, I, I went a totally different direction. I was with the Oxford Police Department, and, and I was hired full-time there. And shortly after being hired, I realized that, you know, that this wasn't uh, matching the things that I, I wanted in a career. And to be frank, I, I opened up a, the, court, the catalog, the graduate catalog, and I was just looking for things that I could get a master's degree in. And, um, and I said, what's this higher ed thing? And... Uh, I realized that I could get paid to work on campus and work with college. I thought that sounded fun. So I said, um, I'll apply to the, the program, and, and that's how I kind of got into it. Just like Jennifer, I guess you say, I kind of fell into it. I uh, started out in orientation as a graduate student, and uh, in working in orientation, I started working um, with advisors, and, and I got to see what they did, and that became kind of my specialized area of interest during grad school. So it was all kind of happenstance. Okay. So what does like a typical work day look like for you both working at the Center for Student Success? Um, the work here is real cyclical. Uh, we have busy times and we got, we got 
slower times, but, um, you know, a, a typical work day, you know, during our, our more steady, you know, part of the year would be uh, advising you know, pretty much all day. We, we, we take 20 minute appointments with students and, um, and, you know, every 20 minutes we see a new student. You know, I, I like to say that we see more students one-on-one -on -one than just about anybody on campus. We have about 3000 students come through our door each, each semester. So um, there's, there's nine advisors. So, I mean, we see a lot of, a lot of students uh, every day. I mean, same, I advise, but I also, with my role with retention, I run a lot of reports for a lot of people and um, fit those in between students. And, you know, during the fall, we all teach. So we all have teaching obligations there. And during the spring, I think a lot of the advisors also teach um, various things. So we're always doing a lot of different things. They usually require student contact though. So whatever we're doing is usually directly impacting students. So with the Center for Student Success, we're under that umbrella with advising retention veterans first year experience and academic support but how did advising on campus especially with the center for student success become more of a centralized hub to what we now know we just had orientation y'all been busy for the past month how did we become the end all for academic advising for freshmen for the most part <laughs> um, I mean, I think the goal is always to have like a centralized hub that freshmen can go to um, for any question. And it started out with that idea. And I think they've been working on that as far back as 2000. Uh, Dr. Charlie Gates was the first director of academic support. And I mean, he was pushing that as far back as then. And it, it probably was even before that. But that's the first I know about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we worked with the School of Applied Sciences first and just said, hey, you guys need extra advisors, you know, we would love to help. Um, we, let us take your freshmen as kind of an experiment and um, retention went up because freshmen had a hub that they could go to for anything. They had advisors that were basically at their beck and call. <laughs> um, they could come see us anytime. And um, that was something new for that group of students and Applied Sciences gave us glowing reviews and it just kind of went built from there. The only schools we don't advise are education um, and journalism. So, and, and some of the smaller departments in the College of Liberal Arts that really didn't need assistance. So, I mean, we've gone from, you know, just freshman studies, which is what we used to advise all the way up to advising almost all freshmen on campus. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's so important for retention and the respect that these, these freshmen have a place to go. They have, you know, an advisor that's theirs and the way we have, you know, the advising set out, you know, they're pretty much going to have their same advisor for the full year, for the first year. Um, they email you, they call you, they text you, <laughs> they drop by. And I mean, we've, we've made it an open door policy pretty much for them to come talk to us about anything. And I, th I think that we emphasize that enough that it, it impacts retention in, in the way that they feel comfortable telling us the things that are you know, maybe impacting their retention ability. And, you know, they, we work through them with them through those problems and, you know, it impacts retention on a larger scale. Yeah, when I started, it was just, we only advised, you know, uh, undeclared students or students who were undecided on their major. And, uh, you know, I mean, there was about 1500 of them. And, uh, I think there was about 1500 and we advised them every semester. We did a, a real good job working with students, you know, help them figure out their, their, their career and get, get them classes and um, I think it was around 2010 uh, 
Dr. Kyle Ellis came and worked up here as the um, assistant director. And I got to give him a lot of credit. He, he, he kind of took the idea of Dr. Gates of having a, a freshman college and kind of evolving that into what we have now. And, and, and like Jennifer said, the idea was um, to have a one-stop shop for freshmen. And, and, you know, Kyle always talks about how we're anything and everything freshman related and how we have more in common or fresh, how freshmen have things more in common being a freshman than they do being a biology major or a psychology major. So we, um, we wanted to have a place for them to go and they didn't have to look for their advisor on campus or find an obscure office in an obscure building, you know, on a campus that they're, that they're new to. So, um, you know, so we, we've always kind of sold ourselves as the, the, the place to go if you need to help us in your first year. Yeah, so freshmen get a lot of emphasis, and then also there's some um, advising that you all do in terms of like undecided majors as well, and, and upperclassmen and things like that. Yeah, students have to declare their major by 45 hours on campus. So, you know, at 45 hours, they put a, a unique hold on the students called a major hold, mm -hmm. and, um, and they, they have to pick something. And, uh, you know, now it's, there's even financial aid implications that, that weren't there when I started. So there's a lot of pressure on them to pick a major. So we have we have advisors that only work with freshman studies majors or undecided majors, and um, and and they they spend a lot of time talking about the career decision making and academic decision making and internships and um, just uh, the the whole slew of things that come along with with figuring out your path. Um, but yeah, we, we did try to get them to decide on a major before the 45 hours. But the, the main thing is we want them to be confident in their decision and not just pick something like I did out of a, out of a catalog. <laughs> uh, so we want them to be a little more intentional than, than, than I was. Huh. Well, that's, um, and you know, in terms of retention, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about retention so far, but for those who may be watching or listening, do you mind talking a little bit about what retention is? Because I know that's a huge thing at, at all universities, but um, how do you play a part in retention and, and what retention really is, is all about? So uh, universities retain and students persist. Mm -hmm. So um, from the university perspective, you know, we're working with students trying to help them stay from year to year. For, for retention purposes, we're looking at a freshman cohort, which is the first time full-time that begin in the fall semester of any year. Um, so right now we're still working with the 2019 cohort and we are also helping advise and orient the incoming 2020 cohort. So we have two, court, two cohorts working right now. And those are used for, for retention and for graduation purposes. So they follow those cohorts all the way through to graduation, whether it's four-year or six-year graduation. Um, with, re with regard to, you know, I think you asked about advising role in retention or just our role in retention. Mm -hmm. um, the academic advisors play a pivotal role because they're, they tend to be the, um, the, the one steady academic person in the student's life uh, for their freshman year, especially. Um, sometimes they're the first person they've ever talked to about anything as far as academics or career readiness or anything like that. Um, but they tend to, you know, that even though we only have 20 minute appointments, students are encouraged to come back. Um, and the ones that need the most help tend to come back a lot, whether it's over email or phone, like I said, text, uh, extra visits. Um, but our advisors get to know them. It's not, Advising isn't prescriptive, so we're not just handing them a set of classes. We are talking to them about how things are going. How are you settling in? Are you getting involved? Um, 
how's your roommate situation? How's your family at home? Have you been home yet? We, we ask all these pivotal questions to see where they are, you know, socially and academically so that we can, you know, get them in the best space to, to move forward for the next semester and the next semester and beyond into, you know, graduation so that they can be successful. Um, so retention is just that, it's, it's retaining a student from the first fall to the second fall and beyond. Um, we don't often you know, see what happens at the other end. We see the graduation rates, um, but the retention rate is something we hold near and dear because we work with all of these freshmen. Um, last year, we had a record high of 86.8% of our freshmen and we have a pretty much open admissions policy. So that, that's incredible to think that 86, almost 87% of our freshmen came back for the second year. Yeah, and, and you know, just to kind of bounce off that, the goal of, of the university is to get the students a diploma. If we can get over that freshman hump that, that first year, you know, with all the changes of being a high school student, now you're college. There, it, there's a lot going on that um that can distract the student from persisting to the next year. So uh, our office, you know, focuses on that first year and, and getting them through that hump. Uh, so that they can be, become upperclassmen. And usually by the time they get to be sophomores or, or, or juniors or seniors, you know, they kind of know the way around campus and they know how to uh, study and they know where the tutoring is and, and, and all the academic support services. And, um, and they're more likely to persist. So that's why we do focus on first year. But um, our advisors, you know, we, we help a lot with that because we're the one person on campus that they have to talk to. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't avoid us, but there, there's advisor holds on every student every semester. So um, if they want to schedule for the following semester, they have to come find us and they have to talk to us. And, um, and I, I can't think of anybody else at the university where that's the case. So um, we do, if, like Jennifer said, even if it's on for 20, only for 20 minutes, we do get to, to meet um, just about all the, all the freshman class, except for the ones that we don't partner with, pharmacy, journalism, education. Um, so we, we do kind of get uh, uh, an opportunity to help the students that sometimes other departments don't have. Okay. So what are some changes that y'all have seen over the past few years with the Center for Student Success growing? Y'all have been with the Center for a while. So I know we've added some programs, done some different things, but what are some things that y'all have seen that are truly helping our students with advising with retention with everything that Ole Miss has to offer for them. I mean, I, th I think that the most pivotal change was the shift from the academic support center to the center for student success, where we mm -hmm. did end up with the umbrella of the, you know, five groups. Um, it's, it's crazy. You know, we were just three advi four advisors and a health professions advisor working with undeclared students and, um, and health profession students like pre-nursing and, and dental and, and uh, pre-med students. I mean, we went from that to um, with nine advisors and, you know, a center for veterans, a center for first year experience where we house the first year experience class, academic support programs. And I mean, it's crazy to look at like all of the things that we do now that impact students, you know, retention, we, are that one-stop shop for any freshman, even if one of the freshmen come by that aren't technically ours, we still work with them. We don't send them away and say, you're not ours. We, we, we answer their questions and um, help them you know, get to the right place. So it's, it's just such a wide net that we've cast now compared to when I first started there, where we were just a very small office. There were just like 
five of us <laughs> um, total with the secretary. It was, it was crazy. You know, we didn't, we had enough offices. We, you know, now we're struggling for space, which is, you know, honestly a good problem to have when you consider all the things that we're doing. Um, I don't know. It's, I think that's been the most major shift for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the focus used to be uh, career development issues with students, you know, in, in, in getting, uh, getting them to declare a major. That was our, that was our narrow focus was working with declared students uh, or undecided students at the time. And, uh, and now it's anything and everything freshman, you know, so it's like Jennifer said, a much broader net. And, um, you know, the, the things that we're, we're, we're helping students with it's a whole lot different than, than what it was in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of career development, you know, just thinking about all these different things to help freshmen, you know, they're in this time period where, you know, they may be from up the road, or they may be from Oxford, or they may be from Alaska, but they've had all these changes happen all of a sudden, and for any student, no matter where they're from, I mean, that's such a pivotal role to play as the really one consistent thing in their lives, the advising component, or um, I know Jen too, in terms of retention, you talk to students all the time as well and advise people. Um, and then just the whole process of, of helping students feel comfortable and trying to look at all these different aspects of their lives, not just as students, um, the holistic approach is, has helped so many over time. And I know one of those key components is of course, career development, choosing classes that are you know, going to be sparking an interest or going towards their major. I would imagine a lot of times you'd see folks that are like, okay, I'm starting off as biology or whatever the class is or major is, but now I'm finding I'm not quite as interested in that topic anymore. So all the career counseling that you probably give as well or career consultation, tell us about that process of students who maybe are trying to find their career path. They haven't really found it, or maybe they're not, I guess, being, we'll see a lot of probation students, for example, that set off on on one path, and then they realize, oh, shoot, I'm not doing as well as I thought I would. What kind of conversations do you have, I guess, for students who are kind of unsure about what they should do? I think that's all you, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) What we do is is narrow narrow down their options, and, um, you know, a big part of it is, is, trying that path and, and seeing what it's like and just because it, it turns up they don't you know enjoy psychology or, or sociology or whatever they're, they're, they're trying at least they know what they don't like you know I mean so that's um that's one thing that we do uh I go through the majors the list of majors and we cross off all the things that, that doesn't sound interesting or mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes we look at where their highest grades are I call it an academic autopsy you know, where are they making their A's and B's? Instead of focusing on the B's and L's, where are they making their A's and B's? Or it's mm-hmm. to see things. You know, so sometimes it's just about um, what they find. Uh, sometimes I'll say, what classes don't put you to sleep? You know, what, what's keeping you awake? You know, and that, that sometimes helps. Um, we talk a lot about passions, but if you ask a freshman, what are you passionate about? They'll, they'll say Fortnite, or they'll say, you know, uh, video games they don't know they don't know what their passions are so sometimes it's a matter of helping them find what they're passionate about so um sometimes you just can't ask an 18 year old no what do you want to do with the rest of your life they have to discover it it's it's a process and um and and that's what we do we we help with that process of helping them figure out what they're interested in the career center calls uh you know calls it vips values interests, personality and skills 
and that's kind of what they um they help them on each one of those and it's four pieces to a puzzle so i mean you can't just figure out what you're interested in you know uh, you know i tell students the worst advice you can get is to do something that makes you happy everybody wants to do that you know what does that even mean do something that makes you happy do something that fulfills your values do something that you find interesting do something that matches your personality do something that you're good at you know so those are kind of the four areas that we we kind of hit in a, in a 20 minute conversation. I would agree. I would agree with Travis. I think one of my, one of my favorite things to do is pull out the major sheet and uh, have them cross out the things that they know they don't want to do. You know, maybe they, like you said, have discovered they're not a science person. So we go through and we cross out all the science things and you can be like amazed as they watch the list dwindle and they're stuck with, not stuck with, but what's left is mm -hmm. maybe, things that are more of interest to them, but at least the list is smaller because when you have nearly 180 majors, that can be quite daunting. Mm -hmm. um, so just having, and having honest conversations with them, you know, it's, it's not expected that you know what to do with the rest of your life right this second. And so many people don't get careers in, in their major. I mean, I have an English degree. Travis has human performance or human development. I mean, he's not really using that either. We're, we're not using our degrees for, we used our degrees to further what we could do later. Um, our degrees got us into grad school. And you know, having those conversations with students, they don't realize that they can you know, have a liberal arts degree and go to school of education for you know, a graduate degree. They, they think that they have to match. And um, you know, it's, it's a good opener for a conversation where you, you know, you know you, A, you don't have to go to grad school, but B, if you want to, you know, do the history degree because you love it and get that 4.0, get that 3.9, whatever GPA to get you to grad school to do something that you want to do with your life. Right. It gives them more time. It, it buys them time to, to kind of experience life because you can't dump out the, the puzzle box and have the puzzle put together. Mm -hmm. It's just not how that works. You've got to do it a piece at a time. Yeah. And so many students and, and their parents want career development to be linear. They want it to be, if I do the college thing, then I get the career thing. And they want it to be a straight line, you know, and that's just not how career development works for most people. Some people it does. Some people wanted to be a physician in sixth grade and they're going to be a physician when they're, you know, get out of grad school and it's very linear for them, but that's just not the case for most people. Most people the development process is going to look like a, like a ball of Christmas lights. You know, it's going to be all cooled up and, and convoluted and random. And, and lights don't work. <laughs> Most of us don't end up in a career that matches, like Jennifer says, our major. It, it's not that clean. And, and, and that's why we emphasize internships. People ask me all the time, I say, you know, what, what didn't put you to sleep in class? Oh, I love history. Let's be a history major. Well, what can I do with that? I don't want to teach. Well, don't, don't teach. Mm -hmm. What can I do with a history degree? Where are you going to get your internship? You know, so it, we focus on the internship. We focus on part-time jobs. We focus on... Uh, you know, volunteer work, that experience, because I've never hired anybody because of what degree they have. Me personally, I've never hired somebody because they went to X school and got X degree. It's all about where did you get your experience and what, what does that experience look like? Yeah. And talking about graduate school, both of you have your doctorates. Mm -hmm. So when you were working on that, the research that you had to do, was any of that tied to what you do now? So advising or retention or working with students or did you take a break and focus on something completely different? Mine was based on a course I teach in the spring EDLE 201 career decision making and, um, and how it affects student retention. So it was pretty much 
exactly what I do or was doing at least. Um, um, mine was more about uh, admissions and how, um, like, whether or not uh, different factors played into when a student applied to the university. And I did, I did use Ole Miss as my um, focus, but I did that separately from retention. I did, I did want to do retention, but I didn't do that because I, um, I run a lot of reports with our system and I didn't want anyone to say, well, she got that, the, the data from the wrong location or the wrong process. I didn't want anyone to be uh, questioning any of that. So I, I went ahead and did something related because we do work with orientation and um, we've seen trends with, with, you know, when students apply for orientation. So I kind of took it a little bit different and, and wanted to see if there were trends and in, in when students apply okay. to the university and whether or not they were accepted. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking too, we've talked a lot about students and, and parents sometimes have a lot of questions. We'll get a lot of parent phone calls, academic support. So I can imagine you guys get lots of parent phone calls. This is the family process of having a student go through um, their college education. Everyone's kind of involved. Do you have any advice for, for parents, just in, in, in general? I think the thing that breaks my heart the most when I talk to students is when a student says that they're doing X major because mom and dad want them to. I mean, I think my biggest advice to parents would be remember that you had your, your chance and you had your degree potentially or you had your opportunity to go through college or whatever your experience is that your child has to experience it as well. And they should be kind of allowed to do that. Um, not, you know, I, I get somebody maybe writing the check for it. They want something out of it, but there needs to be a process. Like Travis said, you know, when you're going through picking your major, there's, it's not linear. Um, the whole the whole process isn't linear, and and the student needs to be able to experience that for themselves. Um, I think it's really easy for us to sit back and say, "Well, I did that and it didn't work out," or um, "I did X and it worked out great." I mean, X might not be for that student, or you know, what your life looks like isn't for that student necessarily. So I, I would I would caution them to let them let the let the reins loose a bit. You know, let the student experience some things on their own and, and let them make mistakes because I'll always say that I learned more from any mistake or any F I ever made than I did from any A or any good experience that I had. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think parents have a, a good role to play in, in the career development process. I always ask, you know, the students I'm working with, what do your parents think you're good at? What are your parents advice? What do your parents think you should do? Because, I mean, if we're being honest, theoretically, they should know that kid better than anybody else on the planet. They've, you know, raised them and from, you know, putting a bottle in their mouth to, to you know, watching them walk across the stage at high school graduation. So, I mean, they should have a pretty, pretty decent idea of, of their strengths and weaknesses. So, I, I do think that the parents have a part to play, and I do value their, you know, their insight with their student. But um, at the same time, you know, that this, a lot of parents want uh, their student to get a degree that has a utility, a utility behind it. For instance, um, they want to invest in the student's education and they expect a return. So they like to see, you know, uh, a dentist degree in dentistry or pharmacy or, or, or physician or something. You know, sometimes student, uh, parents get kind of disheartened, you know, when, they're, when their student majors in classics because they're going to say, what are you going to do with that? And I get it. You know, they're investing all this money. What are you going to do with a classics degree? But you know what? My, my neighbor majored in classics and he's an, he's an attorney. You know, so it's not about what you get your, your major in sometimes. You know, sometimes it's about you get your major in what you want to do and you get your internship and in what you want to um, 
or you get your major on what you want to learn and your internship on what you want to do. And, and that's that skills. Yeah, sometimes when I'm working with parents, I, I get them to focus on that internship angle. You know, it, it, it's not always about the major. You know, it, it's sometimes it's about the experience. And on the student side, we work with students who struggle academically. What advice do y'all give, especially when you're doing advising in the middle of the semester and you have a student that comes in and says, you know, I'm just, I'm really, really struggling. I need help with X, Y, Z, or maybe they don't tell you they need help with that. And you look at their midterm grades and you start to have that conversation with them. What's some advice? What are some resources that students should know about that we have here on campus that could benefit them? Well, I always point them your direction yeah. <laughs> to the academic <laughs> skills workshops, um, the one-on-one -on -one counseling, like consultations. I mean, uh, depending on what their need is. Uh, but I, I think students just forget too that their professors are human mm -hmm. uh, and that most, most will have a conversation with a student and talk to them about maybe what they're doing wrong. I, I usually suggest maybe, you know, taking the last exam they took and talking to the professor and saying, you know, this was my thought process. This is how I studied. Do you have any suggestions? Because evidently I didn't get what you wanted me to get out of this. Um, you know, their peers are great resources. Um, and we do have tutoring resources on campus. Um, because we don't have a tutoring center, those tend to be far and wide and, and they can't always know where to look. So I think, you know, just having us as that intermediary where we can refer is, is super helpful. Um, but those are the areas that I tend to send people. Sure. Yeah, when I'm working with the students, maybe they're not doing well at midterms, I always ask them, you know, tell me about these D's and F's. And nine times out of 10, they say, oh, I got it. It's, it's under control. It's been one test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one test. That, that's probably the number one response. It was just one test. So, you know, um, a lot of them can be denial that they keep stuck, you know, when they're spinning their tires. And um, so one of the things I, I say to them is, what's your plan? And the plan usually is to, quote, try harder. Right. So I, what does that look like? What does it look like to try harder? What's your, and I say, what's your action plan? That's what we call them, an action plan. What are the definitive steps that you're going to take that's going to change what you've already done? Mm -hmm. and, you know, they have to think about it. You, you just can't cram more at night. You, you, you can't just... Uh, read more pages or, 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 you know, look at your notes more often. You, you, you got to have um, a clear uh, change. Mm -hmm. And some of them don't want to think about it. Some of them just want to kind of um, close around it, you know. Yeah. And uh, when you get them to focus on concrete steps that they're going to make between now and finals, it sometimes gets them to, you know, to really reflect on, on the first half of the semester and what they want to do different in the second half. But the main thing is getting them to make an actual change and not just trying harder. Right. Well, we have a lightning round of questions for you because we like to get to know our guests a little bit more about what their college experience was like. So question one of two, what was your freshman year like? Take, paint us a picture about what your freshman year of college was like. I guess I'll go first. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago <laughs> in a land far, far away. No, I was a freshman at the University of Mississippi. Um, it was my, uh, really my only choice for college. I, 
I did apply a few other places, but I mean, I did summer college at the university, so I knew I wanted to go there. Um, I got involved with zero things, so I usually am very emphatic that students get involved. Mm -hmm. um, I was an accounting major. I knew that's what I wanted to do my whole life. I was going to be a tax lawyer. Um, that didn't work out, as you can see. That's not the, the path I took. <laughs> um, I did change my major six times, so uh, I can usually talk to freshman studies students pretty well about that. Um, freshman year, uh, 18, a lot of interest. I wanted to play softball for the university. We didn't have it. Um, they didn't have that until 1998. Mm -hmm. It did invite me for tryouts, but um, I was kind of over it by then. Um, freshman year, I uh, stayed in Martin Hall on the 11th floor. I was in the honors program. It was not the honors college back then. Um, accounting major, I, I was a, see, a student worker in the School of Accountancy as well. Um, I pretty much worked and studied and ate at the union. <laughs> I mean, it was incredibly different back then. I, I can't even, I don't even know what words I would use to describe. Uh, the university is night and day to right. what it was back then. Um, yeah, at Travis Go. I was the first in my family to go to college. My mom and dad never went, so I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what a FAFSA was. I didn't know what a you know, an hour was and how it was different than a credit. I mean, I, I just graduated high school and yeah, I thought the next step was, was college. So I went to Northwest for two years as a community college here in, here in town. And um, uh, freshman year, I was taking 16 hours and working three jobs part-time. And I didn't do anything exciting. I just went to school and then I went to work. And then I went to school and went back to work. It's kind of, I just did what I had to do. It was for me personally, college was a business arrangement. I knew I needed a college degree to, 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 to get to where I wanted to go. And um, I'm kind of goal oriented and you know, I did what I had to do and I, I got the degree and then I transferred to, I didn't transfer, I transferred Ole Miss right before I got my associate's degree. Yeah. I think I was classes short of my associates and, um, and I transferred Ole Miss with, 50 hours as a psychology major and stayed that way for a couple of years until I decided to be a human development major. I was same. Uh, I'll throw that back. Um, yeah. I was, I was first generation student. Also, my parents didn't go to college. They helped me as much as they could, but mm -hmm. we all had no idea what was going on. So I empathize with our students who come here and have no idea because I think it's far more complicated with a lot more moving parts than it was, you know, back then. So who would y'all say is a mentor or was a mentor for you during your career development? For me, it was uh, Dr. Chuck West. He was the, the main person in my, in my degree. He was a family therapist and that's what I wanted to do at the time. And uh, you know, he, he and I were pretty much complete opposites on everything. Uh, we had opposite opinions about everything. And it was, uh, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I learned uh, I'll probably have from anybody in any of my, my, my career development from him. Mm -hmm. And we would, we would discuss things in class and we would, after class, continue the discussion. And, um, and it was, a it was, a interesting times talking to him and real smart guy. And, um, I just learned a lot from 
Um, mine was probably Dr. Charlie Gates. Um, I worked in the music department as a secretary when I first uh, started working on campus and I hadn't finished my undergrad degree. And I remember, you know, as I said earlier, I was working with students and um, kind of advising them. I, they would get advised by their faculty member and then come see me and say, is this right? Um, <laughs> it was a kind of gratifying, you know, that they were coming from PhD professors who should know what's going on to, to the secretary and saying, hey, is this right? So I remember um, sitting down with him one day to help him uh, some, with something with SAP and I just asked him, you know, how does one become an advisor in the academic support center? And he goes, you need a master's degree. And I was like, oh, okay. I hadn't finished my undergrad yet. So um, thinking about master's degrees was kind of far-fetched, but you know, I kept that in, you know, kind of tucked in the back of my mind. And a few years later, he actually uh, became the chair of the music department. And um, he really pushed me harder to help students. He started letting me advise at orientation, mm -hmm. um, like for transfer students coming into the music department. Um, he really helped me get a lot of experience um, and when I did finally graduate with that master's degree, I mean, I would say he, he was probably happier than anyone. Um, and then when I told him I was gonna be an advisor in the Center for Students, well, it was the Academic Support Center still then, but um, I mean, he, I cried and he was like, why are you crying? You, you, got, you got what you wanted. And I'm like, but I'm leaving you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of you know, a double-edged sword. He pushed me hard enough to, to make that happen. You know, I don't know if he remembered me asking him about that you know, in like 2001. But I never became an advisor there until 2008. So um, it was a long time coming, but I would say he pushed me harder than anyone. Well, we sure do appreciate you guys sharing. Both have inspirational stories and working with you, you know, we know you impact students in a positive way in their families every day. So thank you for all of your hard work and your contributions. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? Anything else you wanted to Final, final words for now. <laughs> I do better with prompts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Last question. What advice would you give to someone who wants to be where you are one day? It's a good question. Yeah. This is the on the spot question. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I would say, Get experience working on a on campus because I mean, you want to be an advisor, you need to work in an advising office in some capacity or have some kind of connection, um, you know, helping students. So, like I think I said earlier, you know, we, we've never that I remember hired anybody because of their degree, mm -hmm. we've all because of their, their experience. So, um, I think who, who is it? The, the Freemasons they, they say if you, if you want to be one, ask one, you know, it's kind of that way in advising or, or higher ed. And I, I would say too, you know, like make sure that experience is direct with students and that can be so, so incredibly hard to get, but um, you know, I wouldn't have gotten it if it hadn't been for someone pushing me right. or pushing me outside of the boundaries of my job. You know, I, I think having, um, you know, any experience, I remember going through the master's classes and, you know, everybody wanted to work in housing or orientation. No one, no one said academic advising. I think Travis and I were the only ones saying academic advising. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're really uh, such a, it's really such a small field, but making sure that, that you have passion for what you do because that is so important when you're working with other people's dreams and other people's passions, you need to be able to be passionate about what you do so that that reflects. Um, 
because if you're not excited about it, then your students are not going to find you inspiring and you need them to be inspired. Yeah. Well, thanks to you both for joining us today. And um, thanks to everyone for watching and listening. You can find us on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and a bunch of other places, uh, social media wise. And so we appreciate you joining us. And uh, thanks again for, uh, yeah, Dr. Foss and Dr. Hitchcock. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.